Welcome to the podcast of America This Week, courtesy of the Catholic Channel on Sirius XM 129. If you want to listen to more, subscribe to Sirius XM and tune in on Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Eastern on the Catholic Channel, Sirius XM 129. Welcome to America This Week. I'm Patty Gilger. You're welcome here to join us for a smart Catholic take on faith and culture. I'm joined by Eric Sundrup. And I'm filling in for Carrie Weber. Um, and each week, as uh, we've said many times, we offer news and analysis from the intersection of the church and the world, gathered here by the team at America Magazine. In addition to Father Sundrup, who is one of our associate editors, I'm pleased to be joined by J.D. Long Garcia, a senior editor. Welcome, J.D. Great, great to be here. Thank you very much. Um, again, I'm Patty Gilger, consulting editor, sitting in for Father Matt Malone. Pleasure to be here with you as we talk about a smart Catholic take on faith and culture from America this week. We're going to be talking to Simca Fisher about how the church can help or hurt women in abusive marriages, a very serious topic. Simca, how are you doing? I'm great. Thanks so much for having me on. Thanks for joining us, and I apologize for mispronouncing your name immediately before introducing you. Yeah, it's never happened before, believe me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, to me either. So you've written a really lovely article for me, and I mean that in terms of telling the stories of some of these women, the challenges they've faced. The article is titled, How the Church Can Help or Hurt Women in Abusive Marriages. You can find this as you can find all of the pieces today on americamagazine.org forward slash serious. Simka, would you tell us a bit about the piece that you've written? Yeah, I wanted to write a piece about um, how the church responds, specifically how priests respond to women who are in um, abusive marriages, how, um, how, how, the actual, how the actual meeting between the woman and the priest happens and what happens next, and where the church is doing well in these situations and where the church still has a lot of room for improvement. <laughs> Yeah, and um, and I wanted to, and it's interesting that you put it in the context of telling stories because I wanted to, I wanted to make it very personal. I told the stories of a lot of specific real women who um, very generously opened up, opened up their stories to share with people so that everybody could understand that this is not, you know, this is not a theological problem. This is not some kind of abstract question, but this is real life that we're talking about. Yeah, um, that really struck me as well, where you're diving into the lives of these women through their own words, like their own experiences there. Can you give us a, a sense of maybe, what I noticed maybe was that there were two different kinds of, of uh, stories that you told. One, really of hopeful stories, where the church responded really well, priests responded well, or pastoral workers responded really well. Then those were really edifying. Um, and then you told, really honestly, other hard stories of women being given really bad advice. Right, and I wanted to make sure it was balanced because I think that is an accurate picture. I mean, sometimes we can fall into the trap of thinking that, you know, if we're going to tell the truth, it's going to be ugly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's not, that's not the case, you know. I mean, the truth is that a lot of the time priests do an excellent job of responding compassionately to women and telling them straight off, you do not have to live this way. Maybe you, you know, you stood in front of the church, in front of a priest with a man that you wanted to be your husband, but that doesn't mean that you're now his slave and that you have to put up with everything because that's what Catholic marriage means. Right. There are a lot of priests who are very, very clear with women immediately that God doesn't want them to suffer. You know, God doesn't, God doesn't value marriage more than he values individual people. So um, that's something that in the um, more edifying stories that I was able to share, Yeah. Um, I think that priests were very, they, they, you know, they saw the woman in front of them as, 
on individual suffering human being and responded in a very human way rather than immediately retreating to, you know, canon law or something like that, which, by the way, canon law is actually on the side of the yeah. house, which some people don't realize. <laughs> I don't mean to set it up as, you know, human as opposed to canon law because the law is for is for humans, of course. That's right. Um, but, I, uh, Simka, if I can ask, uh, mm-hmm. uh, thanks for this, JD. Uh, as far as the, where that's where that's getting mixed up, I, I think there's this beautiful line that you have from Father Lemieux: "How is loving that person to? How is it loving that person to allow them to continue to degrade you? To love is to will the good for the other person. These have very serious decisions. These are very serious decisions to work through. So there's this tension, I think, of like what people, uh, this misperception that people have of what marriage is and what it actually is, and mm-hmm. I think that that comes out in your article so that this this call to leave an abusive marriage really does recognize the the truth of marriage in a way right exactly i think sometimes um in in you know i don't want to draw any caricatures of traditionalists versus progressives or something like that but in, in 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 any marriage sometimes we can fall into the trap of thinking that either the marriage is important or I'm important and I have to make a choice. Hmm. And <laughs> it's such a it's such a terrible, horrible misunderstanding because the true Catholic view of marriage is that both spouses are equal in the sight of God and both spouses have promised to will the good of each other, which is what love means. Wow. And you can't be in, uni- in union with somebody else and you can't love somebody else if you're abusing them or if you're allowing them to abuse you because... That's allowing them to live in a state of very serious mortal sin, and that's not a loving act. So, uh, uh, Father Dennis, um, I was so glad that he was able to talk to me because he's he's very very clear on that. That the um, allowing uh, I don't have the exact quote in front of me, but what you said that uh, you know that it's not it's not good for the soul of the other person to allow them to abuse you. You have to call them to account for it, and that's a way of loving them. Yes. And that's part of what you vow to do in marriage is to love that person. I think it's Simka. It's such an important thing that you point out there. The the meaning of love as it gets incarnated in a marriage and how that, um, what that really, what the consequences of that are for these terrible situations of abuse in a marriage. Um, the line that you have just as right there, which I thought is powerful, is um, we love them by holding them accountable for bad behavior. Right. Yeah. I just think this is it's it's absolutely important to understand that accountability is a deep part of what love is that actually brings the other person to the good right right and 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 this, which is not to say that a marriage a good marriage doesn't involve self-sacrifice obviously mm. it does i mean any married person i've been married for over 20 years and i can tell wow. you it doesn't congratulations. even involve self-sacrifice <laughs> oh congratulations to my husband as well you know? <laughs> <laughs> to <laughs> everyone involved <laughs> exactly <laughs> but i mean and this is the funny thing because you know I uh, I was talking to JD about why I actually wrote this story and yeah. I uh, you know I'm a I'm a woman on the internet and I ha- I'm a member of a lot of women's groups and in some of the groups that I'm a member of they do believe that you know if you're married that means you just absolutely have to put up with everything and you just have to be a punching bag and be a doormat and this is the way that you're going to get into heaven mm-hmm. and that you know this is dangerous nonsense I'm also a member of a lot of women's groups where, you know, if your husband comes home and he's in a bad mood and snaps at you, they will say, well, don't put up with that. He's going to sleep on the couch tonight. You don't have to put up with that. And wow. and, and people will talk about, um, you know, calling the police on your husband or breaking up with your husband as if, as if this is just some sort of, you know, you're just in it for your happiness and satisfaction. And that if it's not going your way, then, 
you know, you don't have to put up with that kind of thing. And <laughs> I wish, I, I believe that if people would look closely at what the Church actually teaches about marriage, that, you know, it would be obvious that both of those things are equally untrue and, and you know, disastrous to the human person, and especially when there's children involved. Yeah, I think that this um, in this article is a great step in that direction and accomplishing that. I think I, mean, I was, uh, I'm delighted that that we published it and that we were actually talking about this and having a conversation about this. I think it's so important. Um, and the other thing, I, you know, if there there's going to be listeners out there that either are in this situation or maybe have a friend that's in that situation. So I, I mean, I guess my next question for you is, what does that if if you do know someone who's in a an abusive marriage, what do you do? Yeah, I mean, one of the things that came out, I was talking to a woman, uh, the director of um, Catholics for Family Peace that works with the USCCB to train priests to know how to respond to um, abusive situations in in marriages. And um, what she says over and over again is recognize, respond, refer. And that's what she tells priests, and I think that's really good for you know, anybody else who has a friend in a situation like that, the first thing to do is to respond as compassionately as possible, you know, not leaping right to like, well, what are we going to do about this or trying to be all professional about it, but just respond as a human being with compassion. And then the second thing is to know your limitations and say, I'm not, I'm not trained in this. Let me hook you up with somebody who is trained in this. Really and important. that is something that I've done in the past, and that's something that several priests have told me they absolutely do, because, you know, a priest is a lot of different things, but he's not, um, you know, an abuse hotline <laughs> counselor or something. I mean, <laughs> you know, you, you guys have enough on your plate. I, I understand this. So I think that um, one of the things that the um, uh, O'Brien uh, recommended was having the domestic violence hotline um, in the church bulletin, have it on speed dial at the parish office so that um, you can say, that's horrible, you shouldn't have to put up with this, I'm so sorry this is happening to you, here's the number of somebody who can tell you what to do next, or who can help you to assess how bad this is, or who can help you to assess how much danger you're actually in, or that that kind of thing. Um, so, you know, responding on a personal level, and then and, and then understanding your personal limitations and not wading into something. I think another priest that I interviewed said that. He said, priests get into trouble when they wade into situations that they're not equipped to handle. And that's, you know, that's true of anybody. Simka, you, you had a number of great uh, lines in here. You know, I, I found myself taking notes as a priest, like, you know, can yeah. I make sure this, I do this and set, Me too. Up, set up for this. And I think one of the most important things to note is, I think especially for um, young priests who are new at the job that they don't have to be expert in everything and to admit when they are out of their depth and then to ask for help. It's hard to do sometimes. (laughs) And how important that is, especially in situations where we're talking about abuse, where they might not be well trained in how to, uh, you know, understand the signs and signals that are going on here and how to best um, help someone in that situation, how important it is to refer. I think it's so crucial. They come to you for pastoral advice, but it's okay to say, I don't have all the answers. I need to pass you off to someone that can help you. Yeah, I mean, you think about Moses in the desert. You know, that was his problem. He was trying to do he was trying to do everything, and it was completely overwhelming <laughs> for him. And basically, <laughs> God had to, tell him, had to tell him, you have to outsource some of this. It's okay to outsource. <laughs> so. 
No, I think that's uh, that's we uh, that's really important. I, I think an, another thing too. I think that it applies in in a, in, a, in a strong sense for the priests because frequently they're a point of contact where someone comes in and they're looking for advice. They see them as a, a, a figure of expertise in some sense in the faith, and you know that if they're married in the church, then they go to the priest for this type of stuff. But they're also probably have a number of friends, um, um, uh, lay friends and family that are, are involved in this, and they might need advice from that. JD was uh, talking about that before as well. Yeah, I think that that. I mean, I think that's an important thing to talk about too. You know, in in the article, there are so many wonderful, uh, wonderful. I shouldn't say wonderful, but so many testimonies. It's uh, of of uh, of people, of women who are in this situation. I imagine men may also be in a similar situation, uh, in terms of not physical but emotional abuse that you, you sort of spell out in there. But um, but if if you are if you're a lay Catholic that, that that's listening and you don't have that, you know, maybe your friend is in such a situation and isn't ready to talk about it like what what's the next step yeah i think that um one thing that i kept on coming across was that um when women finally did reach the point of realizing this marriage is abusive i do not want to be in this marriage anymore i don't think i should be in this marriage anymore um it was often a series of revelations it Mm. wasn't that one person said something and suddenly it all became clear to them and they knew exactly what they had to do um, in many cases, what happened was that it was a lot of people saying something that stuck stuck with them, and that eventually there was sort of a, a chorus of these things telling them that, you know, that they were important and that God loved them and that God didn't want to see them suffer and that there was an alternative and that they wouldn't be sinning by leaving. So I think that, um, strangely enough, even though I did come across some stories of um, priests telling women, you know, God, this is God's will for you, you made a vow, you have to stay or, you know, he's not hitting you, therefore it's not abuse, that kind of thing. You know, there was definitely some bad advice from priests. I think there's a lot more bad abuse, ad- advice coming from lay people, unfortunately. Hmm. Um, and it's very, very hard to, uh, keep, sort of, to keep, your, keep your eye on the ball when, you, when you're in a group. You know, group dynamics are very, very powerful. And when you're in a group of people telling you, uh, you know, this is, what, this is what marriage is supposed to be, and and if you don't want to sin, then don't be don't you be breaking up that marriage. <laughs> it's very very hard to think clearly when you have a whole chorus of people telling you that. So I think that um, something that uh, this is something that takes a lot of courage and um, probably revealing too much about how much time I spend online in. Women's <laughs> <groups>. But <laughs> nevertheless, this is something that I've learned. Um, it takes a lot of courage to be the one that stands up and says, "Hold on, everybody! Everybody's saying this, but actually, have you thought of that?" So I think that's something that lay people can do, even if they're not, you know, knowing your limits and knowing that you're not trained in something, knowing that you're not an expert, just being the lone voice that's willing to say, hold on a second, that doesn't sound right. And um, that's something that can make a big difference to somebody who's really desperately wishing that even one person would say, hold on a second, you know, there's 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 another point of view here that can be extremely powerful. Well, and Simka... You know, not to put too fine a point on it, but you are being that one person now. If and I'm sure there are others. I know there are others, right? So I'm not trying to just put you on the spot there, but that you're doing this right now and trying to put a voice out there to be the kind of person who can stand up and say, "This is not acceptable. We want to revision this. This is not what marriage means. This is not what love looks like." How has that been received um, by others? How has that been for you to try to stand up and do something like that? 
yeah, it's been um, it's been an overwhelming wave of gratitude. I would say since wow. the article came out, um, there's a lot of people who said they were they they wish that you know they could hear more of this thing from Catholic circles. Um, it, uh, I, I think I think that it's not a matter of that the church needs to change. It's a matter of that the church needs to be better about uh, uh, putting promoting the point of view that 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 it already has. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if we see what canon law says, if we see what um, the USCCB's uh, statement, um, what's it called, when I call for help, mm-hmm. it's all it's all in there, and it's very good stuff, but it just needs more promotion. So I was hoping that it would, um, I, one of my goals was to write an article that would be very shareable, that would be engaging and shareable so that people would be able to point their friends toward it if they came across a friend who was in a situation that they weren't sure about they could say well here's this article um maybe this will strike a chord with you or something like that and that's why we were sure we were careful to include a lot of um you know specific practical you know hotlines and resources that you could go to um so that you could it it was meant to be it was meant to be a starting point so that people would understand that they're not that they're not alone because abuse is you know by design very very isolating are there stories or conversations, feedback that you've received that's um, really sticking with you in your own prayer? Um, I have been in contact with some of the women since um, since I wrote the article. Um, some, some of, uh, at least one woman is actually, you know, she's still she's still in that marriage. She is one who got bad oh. advice from her priest. He told her that you know this is God's will for you, and you need to stay, and you need to just pray for your husband and 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 she. <sighs> And she felt that, you know, she understood that it was just basically one man's opinion, and yet the, the weight of authority that he had as a priest was so powerful that even though she knew objectively that it probably wasn't very good advice, it's really hard to shake that kind of thing when you hear it from a priest, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And I know that puts a lot of pressure on priests. I'm sure priests are already aware of <laughs> how much um, how much a, how much a single comment or, or, or thought can, can stay can stay with somebody. But that's I think um, that's important for, for you to tell even that story so that priests who read this understand the consequences of such bad advice. Yeah. And, and are and, aware of it. Yeah. And, and, and truly, it's, I, I don't know a lot of priests. And this is something that was interesting to me. I, you know, I carry my own prejudices with me, and I assumed that this was going to be a matter of you know, more traditionalist priests would be more in favor of, you know, sticking it out and suffering and offering it up, and more progressive priests would be in favor of, you know, being strong and being courageous and getting the heck out of there. And that didn't necessarily, that's not exactly where the line fell. And it was, you know, I, I, I took that as a teachable moment for myself. <laughs> I think um, it has less to do with theological preferences or or, or predilections, that's not quite the right word, but you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And it has more to do with um, how willing you are to be engaged with the person directly in front of you. Mm. You know, are you more concerned with ideology and abstractions, or are you more concerned with the individual directly in front of you? And um, the priest who were, took very seriously their charge of being concerned with the person directly in front of them were the ones who were able to actually help women. And the ones who got more caught up in um, theories were less less helpful. 
Simka, I want to ask you about um, uh, this story from Rebecca. I mean, and we changed uh, you changed all the names so that to make yeah. sure that the the women were protected and they would feel comfortable sharing their stories with our with our readers. But um, uh, with with Rebecca, as, she, as she's named in the article, she did take that decision to uh, to honor the first priority to keep herself safe, uh, mm-hmm. and then the, she was judged by her community afterwards. Uh, so she was ostracized after she did. Uh, um, go through the divorce and separate for, from her abusive husband. And she says, if you're feeling judgment and condemnation from Catholics, but getting healing outside the church, why would you stay? Uh, right. I think that that's something important to, to, to ask about, to talk about is, so th- there's a, there's a community obligation here too, about, um, wh- where, where are we called, what are we called to do as lay Catholics in, in such situations? Yeah, I think that's extremely important because, um, I think a lot of the time when people um, condemn somebody else, it's because they're trying to um, they're trying to sort of in- insulate themselves. They feel this is something that we see a lot, you know, when everybody when <laughs> this is not going to sound related, but when that when they had to kill the gorilla in the zoo, when the little boy fell into the Harambe. into the yes, and and everybody was so angry at the at the mother and saying, I would never have let that happen. I'm a good mother. I would have held on tighter. I would have gone in after him. I never would have let that happen. And there was so much anger that descended on the head of that mother. Yeah. And I think a lot of where that comes from is people wanting, they're, they're angry at somebody else rather than admitting that they themselves can certainly make mistakes and have poor judgment and do things, you know, things, you're not safe. Things can happen to you. And I think a lot of the time it's, it's people's fear about their own marriages that turn them against somebody who's in a publicly failing marriage. Um, I think this is what feeds a lot of the condemnation that people will have they, uh, toward toward somebody who's had to who's had to who's had to leave an abusive marriage because it's easier to say, well, that's what a bad marriage looks like, and that person did something wrong, rather than to look at our own marriages and say, well, what's really the state of my own marriage? What's the state of my own soul? What's the state of my relationship with God? You know, it's much easier to ostracize somebody and to identify yourself as a Catholic by saying, I'm not like her, rather than looking at Christ and saying, how much am I like that? (laughs) Right. (laughs) So I think that, um, you know, for a lot of people, a big part of their identity as Catholics is a very external thing. Hmm. And when there's anything that messes up that external picture, that external picture of happy families and lots of children and homeschooling and, you know, daily mass and all the things that are pretty fairly easy to set up on, on the outside. Um, when you invest a lot in that, you have a very, um, you can have an almost violent response towards somebody who breaks that image. Yeah. And really the way to protect the group and to protect your own identity is just to cast them out. And that's what happened to uh, the women that I named Rebecca in the article. Simka, we're really grateful both for the piece that you've written for us. We hope it will do a lot of good. It's already being shared very widely, and I hope that you know the feedback you've given, you've gotten from people, only increases. Um, I want to say thank you to you for joining us also here on the radio show. Yeah, thank you so much, and I appreciate having the platform. I felt like it was an important message, so I'm, I'm really grateful for the opportunity to put it out there. No, you're- you're doing important work for the church here. We're very grateful. And, and for anyone that's listening, if you want to uh, read the article in its entirety or find out more of the information that's in there's there's a great uh, many stories and a lot of information that you can uh, share with other people. That's americamagazine.org forward slash serious. 
So this has been like a really interesting conversation for me, I have to say. Um, one of the things that I wanted to just check with you guys real quick is this idea of uh, inner and outer, inner and outer here. So we've got this sense of what's going on in this, um, this own inner processing, whether or not this marriage is just this sense of you can take care of this in your own inner interiority versus, no, you really need to act on this. And I think really our faith is, it is a both and. Like we're a both and faith. We want to be, yes, interiorly deep and yes, interiorly free, look, freedom also is manifested exteriorly. We can't just have this being bound there into a place of brokenness. No, you're, you're going to have, I mean, we start the mass with a uh, 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 penitential right. We're all sinners. Yeah. So we need to, we need to start and recognize that's the place we start from and not be worried or fearful about acknowledging our own failings. And then so we can be honest and seek the help, get the referrals, um, you know, you know, admit our own limitations. It's the place we start from in the church. It's the place we end today. This has been America This Week on Sirius XM 129, the Catholic channel. You can find all the pieces we've talked about today on americamagazine.org forward slash Sirius. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for listening to the podcast of America This Week, courtesy of the Catholic channel on Sirius XM 129. If you want to listen to more, subscribe to Sirius XM. And tune in on Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Eastern on the Catholic Channel, Sirius XM 129.